0: Praise God, praise God. Welcome to everyone tonight, all of you that are in service. If you're a guest tonight, we welcome you as part of this service tonight as well. If you're joining us online, wherever you may be, we welcome you as a part of this service as well. It's good to have, I believe, Brother and Sister Hennessy, if that's correct. They are, I believe, down for some campus ministry stuff. Uh, we're welcome them part of our service tonight. And uh, they're not here, but we give honor to our Bishop and Mother right tonight. Praise God. They are will be returning this week from Spain, being with Brother Nathan Herod, who has ministered here at Antioch before. And so keep them in your prayers as they travel home, as well as some rest and refreshing. We've got these this conference, and we have some district things this week as well, connected with that. So I encourage you to pray for Bishop and Mother Wright, for strength and refreshing. In Jesus' name, praise God. Isaiah chapter 56, verse number 1. And uh, I want to welcome a couple of our congregation elders on the platform tonight. We're going to be... Uh, uh, rotating our elders and our three corporate ministry leaders, which is Brother Whittington, Brother uh, Isaac Middleton, and Brother Fowler. They're going to be rotating on the platform. I'd like for them to be in, be up here. We don't have room for everybody at one time, so if you notice a couple of new faces tonight, um, in June you'll notice some new more. <laughs> we'll be in Baltimore next week and then be outside in the tent, and I'm not sure we'll have a lot of platform space, but um, it's it's um, we are doing that. Not the best timing tonight with all that coming up, but better late than never with some things. So. Isaiah 56, verse 1. I want to read several verses, so if you will be patient with me, and then we'll make a deal. You sit down, and I'll keep standing, so that all right, bargain to make. Isaiah 56 and verse number 1. Thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgment and do justice. For my salvation is near to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths, and choose the things that please me, and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them I will give in mine house and within my walls a place." And a, name than a, that, and a name better than of sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also, the sons of the strangers that join themselves to the Lord to serve Him and to love the name of the Lord, to be His servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain. And make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. The Lord God which gathereth the outcasts of Israel saith. Yet will I gather others to Him beside those that are gathered unto Him. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Father, I thank You for Your presence that we feel in this place tonight i thank you for your spirit that's been manifested that has already worked and moved lives you have already touched and ministered to in this place tonight i pray god that you would speak to us tonight that your word would minister in this place tonight god that we would hear a word from you i pray god tonight again that by your grace this would not simply be a sermon lord for this service but a word it would come from you, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. I trust you for your anointing. I depend upon you tonight, Father, and acknowledge that without you, Lord, I can do nothing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to read this these verses to you from another translation. I'd like to read them to you from the Message Bible again. Uh, Uh, the, The paraphrase known as the Message Bible. And it says it this way. It puts some things in a little plainer terms. It says, guard my common good. Do what's right and do it in the right way. For my salvation is just around the corner. My setting things right is about to go into action. How blessed are you who enter into these things. You men and women who embrace them who keep Sabbath and don't defile it, who watch your step and don't do anything evil. Make sure no outsider who now follows God ever has occasion to say, God put me in second class. Make sure no outsider who now follows God ever has occasion to say, God put me in second class. I don't really belong, and make sure no physically mutilated person is ever made to think I'm damaged goods. I don't really belong. For God says to the mutilated who keep my Sabbaths and choose what delights me and keep a firm grip on my covenant, I'll provide them an honored place in my family and within my city, even more honored than that of sons and daughters. I'll confer permanent honors on them that will never be revoked. And as far as the outsiders who now follow me, working for me, loving my name and wanting to be my servants, All who keep Sabbath and don't defile it, holding fast to my covenant, I'll bring them to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. They'll be welcome to worship the same as the insiders, to bring burnt offerings and sacrifices to my altar. Oh yes, my house of worship will be known as a house of prayer for all people. The decree of the Master God Himself, who gathers in the exiles of Israel, I will gather others also. Gather them in with those already gathered. One of the things I want you to notice, one of the themes in this passage is the strangers, the eunuchs, the outsiders, those that come in who were not a part, those that come in perhaps that would be considered or classified as damaged goods and a part of the message of the word here in uh, the prophecy here in Isaiah is when they come in I want them to become a part not as second class citizens not as not as outsiders that are just sort of have a place but I want them to be brought in and I want them to come all the way in. There are some things in the Old Testament testament that we know of that if you had certain defects or issues it prevented you from being able to be to, to, to be a worshipper to get in the the presence of God if you will but though what took place on Calvary what happened at the cross made it so it doesn't matter what issues we have it doesn't matter what deficiencies we have it it doesn't matter if we are crippled physically or we are crippled spiritually there is now a way for every individual to have Have access to the power and the presence of God. Everyone can get to that mercy seat and be able to find help and be able to find grace in a time of need and trouble. There is nothing anymore that keeps anybody out or keeps anybody out back, but everybody is able to come. And so the prophet Isaiah is saying, I want the stranger and the outsider to be able to come in. And when they come in, I don't want them to stay an outsider. I don't want them to feel like they are outsiders or they're not welcome, and we're 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 letting them be apart, but they're not really apart. He's saying, I I want them to feel as though. It's theirs. I want them to feel as though they have as much of a right to be there as anybody else. I preach to people tonight that there is the majority of you that were not born and raised as apostolics. And for those of us that war, were born and raised as apostolics, we have no more right to this than those of you that came in as adults. We don't, we don't have any more right to all of this simply because we were born in to it than those of you that came in one day as an adult and found your way to an altar and knelt at, and perhaps knelt down or stood there, whatever the case, but you repented of your sins and when you repented of your sins, the Holy Ghost came in and filled you and you were baptized in Jesus' name and now you are an apostolic just like any of us that may have been born into it. Every now and then I, I don't know if it's accidentally or on purpose, but every now and then I just like to think a little bit about everybody that's sitting here. Or, or 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 the categories of people that are sitting here we sit tonight and we look at each other and we we most of us look like really good church folks and most of us look like we got it all together but many of you can remember a day in which you didn't look the way you look now and you didn't have it together the way you seem to have it together now and some of you stumbled in with clothes that weren't very clean and weren't very nice and definitely weren't dress clothes but something reached down where you were and began to get a hold of you and that power of salvation began to work in your life and you were transformed and you became a new creature in Christ Jesus and we look at you tonight and we don't see that person anymore but we see the person you are now. If we're not careful, we get so used to what we are now that we forget what we may have been. We got former alcoholics and drug addicts and drug dealers sitting in this place tonight. We got thieves and robbers sitting in this place tonight. We got liars sitting in this place tonight. Actually, that's not the case. That's what you used to be but but the point is you can't tell who's here just by outward appearance because at some point we got access to this house that is supposed to be a house of prayer at some point we were able to make our way in and we may have come as a stranger but we're not a stranger anymore The Apostle Paul said it sort of like this in Ephesians chapter 2 beginning with verse number 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of of disobedience it used to work in you among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others but God but God That's what we were. That's what we did. That's how we live. But God, who is rich, who is rich, doesn't just have a little bit of it. Doesn't just have a small supply. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when... I didn't propose to my wife until I knew the feelings were mutual. For a lot of reasons. One was I wasn't going to put myself out there and be rejected. As best as best I could, I wanted to know that the odds were for me. I wanted to know there was some mutual... Feelings there. I didn't want to start investing my time and money and resources in somebody that may not care about me. I was more than happy once I knew to give what I had, but I wasn't going to invest it and lose it if I didn't have to. Think about where you and I would be. Had God waited to extend grace and mercy until we had proven we really wanted it or we had proven we would be worthy of His investment. But when we were dead in sins, while we were still there, He quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Amen. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift Amen. of God. Amen. Not of works lest any man should boast. Not of works, lest any of us would be like the Pharisee at the temple saying, God, how blessed you are to have me, and how privileged you are for me to be a part of your kingdom. No, no, but we are saved through faith, so that it's not of us, it's the gift of God, and it's not our works, so we don't have anything to brag about. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember, remember, somebody needs to remember tonight, that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Having no hope and without god in the world is there anybody tonight that recalls there was a time you had no hope the future really didn't look that bright there was there was a lot of darkness that was overshadowing every dream every ambition every desire that you had you had reached the point you were without hope and worse you were without God but now but now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off are now made nigh by the blood of Christ those of us who were strangers those of us who were Aliens, those of us who were sinners have been made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we who were not a people are now the people of God. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 2 and 7. Unto you therefore which believe. You see if you don't believe the next part doesn't apply. To the unbeliever, He is not precious. To the unbeliever, He is not precious. To the unbeliever, it's just a name. It's just a religious figure. But to you that believe, He is precious. Oh, I no wonder if I got anybody tonight that believe. And because you believe, you would say that He is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye... Somebody say, that's me. But ye are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people but now are the people of God which had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. I wonder if I got anybody tonight that is a part of a chosen generation. You are a part of a royal priesthood you are a part of a holy nation and you are a peculiar person that God is able to show forth himself through and manifest who and what he is in your life I believe it was the apostle Paul that said in another place, he's broken down the middle wall of partition. Paul said, there's neither Jews nor Greeks. There's neither bond nor free but because of the blood of Jesus Christ we are brought into one body we're not a bunch of individuals maintaining our past identity what and who we are but we acknowledge after we were baptized in Jesus name and we put on Christ and we came into this body we now have a new culture that is our first and foremost culture I've got a new race that is now my identity It's not my old race that I am identified by. But I am now new in Christ Jesus. Go back to the book of Isaiah. And the reason that this is happening can happen is because of what happens in verse number 8 or verse 7. And what he says that he desires for his house to be. He said, I'm going to bring them to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. For all people. No exceptions. Nobody that's not welcome. Nobody that's not allowed. Not only those that have never been are allowed, but those that may have used to be a part of the house of prayer that somehow strayed or wandered at some point in their choosing to return, they are welcome back to the house of prayer. But it's because it's a house of prayer. really not here tonight to preach to you on prayer. While I'm sure there is part of the application here that it is about prayer, I think there is also a broader application of what the prophet is saying about the place where these people are to come. And that is, it's supposed to be a spiritual climate. It is supposed to be a place where there is the operation and the flow of the supernatural power of God. It is supposed to be a place where there is a manifestation of the presence of God. It is not supposed to be a place where the drawing card is programs and ideas that individuals may come up with. But the only thing that's able to bring the stranger and the outsider together and make them one is for this house to be a house of prayer, for it to be a place where there is a continual manifestation of the power and the presence of God. See, if we're not careful, we can become professional Christians, we can become professional apostolics, we can learn how to do it, we can learn how to go through the motions, we can learn how to have church. I don't mean this to come across in a wrong way. If you take it totally out of context and misuse it, then you could use it against me, but Please hear it in the context of what I'm saying. I'm 43 years old. I started preaching when I was 18. I've been preaching for 20 plus years now. I guess almost 25, I guess that would be, wouldn't it? 26 almost. Brother Middleton, I got a feeling if I wanted to in a pinch... I could create a message and preach a message that I came up with all on my own. And as long as most folks in the service were carnal, they'd have no idea that the source of the message wasn't God. It's a challenge, whether it's preaching, worship leading, or any other area of ministry? The longer you do it and the more comfortable you may become with it to remind yourself I can't do it anymore now without Him than I could 25 years ago. I'm no better off now trying to do it than I was the first time when I got up in the pulpit and was scared out of my mind. I may not be as scared as I was, I may not be as scared now as I was then. may not be quite as nervous now as I was then but what I constantly try to do is to make sure there is still a reverence for what I do and a reminder to myself that without Him I can do nothing. I can do all things with Him but without Him I can do nothing and if we're not careful we can learn how to have church and we can learn what song to sing and we can learn the right things to do at the right time and it's possible to do all of that and not be a house of prayer but if the stranger and the eunuch are going to come and those that are outsiders are going to be grafted in it's got to be a house of prayer it's got to be a place where the manifestation of the presence and the power of God is not an uncommon thing but it 's a kind of thing when it 's not there, and it 's not happening. We automatically know something 's missing I realize it was a different day and time. I realized that it was a lot safer and all than it was now, but I still have some degree struggling with an understanding of how it could have happened that. Mary and Joseph could have traveled several days to get to the temple with a 12-year-old son and spend some time there and then leave and get back home and not until they get back home realize He's not here. There have been a few times when my children were little in a public place where we lost them for a second. There is instantaneous panic sets in. And again, I realize we're living in a different day, a different time than they were living in then. Nevertheless, I don't quite understand how a parent can go a couple of days. Even with a 12-year-old. And, 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 and not realize we, we don't have him with us. But somehow that's what they did. Of course, the interesting thing is where they found Him. They found Him right where they left Him. At church. The temple. That's kind of like what some folks do today. They go a couple of days into the week don't even realize I left Jesus somewhere. I've gone a couple days without Jesus. I'll tell you where you find Him. Find Him right where you left Him. Go back to where He was and He'll still be there. The fact of the matter is, you can be in the very place where there is a manifestation of the power and the presence of God and not even know that He's there. Jacob did it. Jacob woke up and had an encounter with God and he said, The Lord was in this place. And I didn't even know it. The Lord was in this place. I didn't even know it. Can I preach to some apostolics tonight? We got to be careful that we don't ever reach a place. That the Lord might not be in this place, and yet we don't know it. Or that the Lord is in this place, and we don't know that either. But somehow there has to be enough of an active, lively connection with Him. That the very moment it starts to not be there, is not what it is. Something awakens inside of us that says this is a house of prayer. And this must remain a house of prayer if there is hope for those that are without hope if there is hope for those that are bound if there there is hope for those that are depressed then this house must remain a house of prayer must remain a place where the presence of God is active and alive and working and moving we find in the New Testament Jesus comes into the temple The place that Isaiah said should be known as a house of prayer. And he gets there and he finds some business being conducted. They're selling animals for sacrifice. Selling doves and other things for sacrifice. And they've got money exchangers there for the business of giving and things that needed to take place at the temple. he said my house should be called a house of prayer but you've turned it into a to a den of thieves you are now conducting business and operating things in a place that was supposed to be a spiritual atmosphere and a spiritual climate and now you you've you've got all kind of other things other distractions going on one of the reasons Several commentaries state as to why they were selling doves and other things at the temple is so that those that had to travel from afar did not have the hassle of having to bring their sacrifice all the way from home. If they were coming from afar and they had a ways to travel... Rather than the inconvenience of bringing the sacrifice, they would sell it at the temple and save you some time and effort. They will eliminate some of the hassle of the sacrifice. You'll you'll still sacrifice, but it won't require as much effort. You'll, you'll still offer what you're supposed to offer, but you don't have to go through the same work and effort you would have had to have gone through. We will make it more convenient. See, when you read throughout the Old Testament and the tabernacle and the things that God instructed to be a part of that, there there is a word you find that is throughout all of Processes and experiences and things that were to take place at the tabernacle, and that's the word, sacrifice. Sacrifice was a common part of the activities and participating in what took place at the tabernacle. You came with a sacrifice. You brought a sacrifice. You gave a sacrifice. Can I tell you, we're living in a day and time in which the church world is trying to take sacrifice out of all of it. It's trying to take the cost and the effort that you gotta go through out of our worship and out of our living for God. Can I tell you tonight, not because I want to, not because there's any joy in telling you, but I gotta tell you tonight, I gotta remind you we can never become a place, a church, an individual, a people without sacrifice being a part of our life. It's gotta cost us something. We can't reach a place where our worship doesn't cost us anything and our prayer doesn't cost us anything and our ministry doesn't cost us anything and our involvement in the kingdom doesn't cost us anything. There's always supposed to be an element of sacrifice. If we're not careful. We can come up with conveniences. See, we... No, we don't... We don't sell sacrifices today like they did there. We don't have the business becoming being conducted like they like they did there. So so it's easy if we're not careful to completely exempt ourselves from the potential of being a part of that group that Jesus referred to as turning his house of prayer into a den of thieves. See if we if the leading of our worship in a church service, if if by chance somehow it becomes a way to relieve people from the obligation and the responsibility as an individual of connecting with God, we're becoming a den of thieves. We are interrupting God's plan and God's process and God's desires if 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 we choose to come to church or choose to go to a care group or choose to go to a prayer meeting or choose to go to some kind of ministry type setting and we simply go through the motions, we're stealing. We're stealing. If I choose to make it simple, find an easy way, try to convenient, find a convenient way, try to find a substitute for some things that God expects and requires, I'm stealing. Becoming a thief in God's house. If I lose sight of the fact that I have a responsibility to be a contributor, not because of what I may want or need, but maybe because of what somebody else may want or need. The giving of what I have and who I am is not for my own benefit alone. I need to do it. I There's a whole lot of reasons it's got to happen. But it's also got to happen. My praise and my worship is not just about me. My praise and my worship is not just about me. Because in this house of prayer... In God's house, there is a responsibility that I carry, not as senior pastor, but as a believer, as a part of the body of Christ. There is a responsibility that I carry to help make sure that the atmosphere remains what it's supposed to be. That the operation of the presence and the spirit of God remains what it's supposed to be so that every stranger, every outsider, every outcast has every absolute possible opportunity to not stay a stranger anymore. Amen. Living in a world in which there's There's no solutions for people's problems. So many of the things they're dealing with and all they hear and all they're told is that there's no way. You just got to learn to cope. You just got to learn to deal with it. You just got to learn to somehow survive. But is there anybody tonight that can testify there's another way than just surviving. There's another way than just coping. But the only reason you and I were able to know that is because some point in time we were exposed to a house of prayer. We were exposed to a setting and atmosphere in which the presence of God was able to operate and work and move on behalf of the outsider, the stranger, those that God was trying to bring in and draw in. I become like one of those people conducting business in the temple that Jesus casted out when I choose to hold on to my grudges. When I choose to come into a setting with the body and there are offenses that I refuse to let go of. Body, recall what the scripture says. If you come to the altar, If you come to pray. And when you come to pray, if you know, what what does it say? Listen, if your brother has aught against you. Notice what it didn't say. It didn't say if you come to the altar to bring your gift, and you have ought against your brother. He says, if you get to the altar and you are aware someone else has an issue with you, leave your gift at the altar. Go to them. Get it right and then come back. Why is it that He did not say, if you come to the altar and you have aught against your brother, leave your gift? I think the reason He didn't say that is because He assumed that before you came to the altar you would have already have dealt with your offenses. But he's saying it's not good enough to come to the altar having dealt with your offenses, but know your brother's got something against you and just ignore it and forget about it. Oh, it's going to get tight, but that's all right. I'm preaching to some folks tonight. You keep bringing your gift to the altar. Excuse the grammar, but it's the simplest way and best way to say it. You ain't doing either one. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. First off, you're trying to bring your gift to the altar with offense towards your brother or sister. Not to mention knowing that somebody's got something against you. Scripture says if, 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 and I'm not talking to married folks. I don't think maybe I am. But Scripture says if you're married, you got stuff you're not dealing with. It'll hinder your prayers. It'll mess. It'll prevent your prayers. And the only thing, the only thing that removes. The power of the blood from your sins, your sins, your sins that God has forgiven you, the only thing that has the potential and that can remove the effectiveness of that blood is when you choose not to forgive. That's how serious it is for us, hanging on to stuff... And not dealing with the stuff that's in our own heart and then not also, and then also not dealing with the stuff in somebody else's heart. And so when I come into the sanctuary, when I come into the presence of God and I'm carrying that stuff, I become a thief. Because I become a hindrance. I'm taking away from the free flow of the presence and the power of God. Brother Wright, don't put that on me. I don't think, I don't think you can get to heaven with bitterness and unforgiveness. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure you can't, but I'm kind of hoping you can. Cause if you can't, some of you ain't going to heaven right now. Oh boy, it was great flow in here earlier, wasn't there? Yeah, by the grace of God, there was. That's part of the problem when you get in the presence of God and there's a good flow and you got junk you won't deal with. You take what God's choosing to do as approval of. Oh, it doesn't really matter that you carry not because of what's happening, what you feel. No, 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 no. Mentioned in the Deal congregation this morning. Probably every preacher that's been preaching for very long has used it more than likely at some point. We all know that just because bad things happen doesn't mean God's mad at you. We all, Job. Job's our great example. You can have all kind of trouble in your life, but it doesn't automatically mean God's mad at you. Well, if trouble doesn't automatically mean God's mad at you, good things doesn't automatically mean God's happy with you. I've kissed my kids goodnight a whole lot of nights when I wasn't too happy with them. My allowing them to sleep in their bed and be in the house and dress warm, what all, that wasn't my approval of their actions, and that was just grace and mercy. How scary it is when we allow the grace of God that is working in our lives to cause us to become comfortable that I can hang on to my offenses and my unforgiveness because I felt a little, I felt something tonight. Maybe what you felt was the air conditioner just kicked on and your goosebumps wasn't Holy Ghost, it was just a breeze. Trying to be mean, I'm, I'm. I'm trying to stir somebody. I don't know who, but somebody. People that are carrying stuff against brothers and sisters. We become thieves. I'm not selling, I'm not doing... No, but I'm interfering because I'm choosing to keep my right to hang on to stuff above the need of the house of prayer and, and this place and every other place we gather together and every other circumstance we gather together in for the purpose of ministry. When I choose to hang on to my stuff, I'm robbing. You just don't know what they did or what they said. When's the last time you read the story of a man named Jesus? When's, that, when's the last time you... I think Brother Gonzalez may have been the first person I heard say this. I don't know if he made it up or heard it someplace else, but he's the first, one, first person I recall hearing and the statement he made was... Carrying bitterness and unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison and then expecting somebody else to die. I got, I got unforgiveness. If I got unforgiveness to, to, towards Brother Jetty, it, it, it's as though I got poison for him. But I'm, I'm drinking the poison and expecting it to affect him. Don't work that way. Probably be a good time to break into a famous Disney song these days, but I won't do it. Let it go. Is it really worse worth the, the stealing of your free flow of praise and worship? Is it really worth interfering with your encounter with the presence of God is it really worth the misery that it's costing you let it go well, if, I let her, if I forgive him, that means I'm saying it's ok I'm sorry I'm, I don't mean to be offensive that is one of the dumbest statements for a Christian to make Your struggle with forgiveness is the fact that by forgiving somebody what they did wrong, you are saying what they did is okay. You need to stop repenting. Come on. Come on. Come on now. Because I got forgiven years ago for the first time, and I've gotten forgiven thousands and thousands of times since. And every time I repent and get forgiveness, is God saying, okay, I'm. I, I forgive you it 's okay, no when God forgives me he 's releasing me from the penalty and the and the consequences and all that stuff and, and it 's the same for you and i it 's not saying what they did is okay it 's not giving your stamp of approval, but it's it 's getting yourself free from the consequences and all of the turmoil and frustration and anxiety. So that you can be a contributor to the manifestation of the presence and the power of God that helps the stranger and the outsider to come in and be a part. Listen to what Jeremiah says, seven, chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. He says, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word. And say, hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah, that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings. Who is he talking to? He's not talking to sinners that are coming. He's talking... To those of Judah, the praisers, the worshipers, those that belong, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. What he's saying is, you can't let somebody get up in front of you and say, well, we're in church, and that make that, by saying we're at church, that makes it all okay. That makes my life, my attitudes, my struggles okay. Just cause I'm here, just cause I'm in this pulpit tonight. I said it again tonight i I hope i'm not the only guy that has to pray this prayer god i i'm acknowledging to you again. I know there is stuff in me that is not right. I know there's areas of struggle and 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 whatever in my life, and so let let's let's get i didn't say it this way, but this is what I was meaning let 's get something straight. I I want you to know that I know there's stuff, there's junk, there's issues. I know that doesn't justify the junk and the stuff and the issues, but at least you knowing that I know and I'm not trying to ignore and pretend with you that it's not there, hopefully that will account for something. i've said it i've used it a couple times, in the marriage or not the marriage in the family class for antioch you there there's there's more than likely not a family. there may be a few of you but there there's probably let me rephrase it the majority of uh, of couples and families probably have had the experience of pulling up to the in the parking lot for church service and 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 the way there man, you guys are at it, and husband and wife are Yapping it up at each other and angry and upset and frustrated. You get out the car and make sure nobody's looking and slam the door to make your point. And two of you walk in silent. Neither one of you gonna say anything to each other. You get into church, make your way to your seat. First note on the keyboard gets hit, and all of a sudden. Husband and wife that have been sitting there, won't talk to each other. Music begins to play. Get your dance on. Mom that just got through yelling and screaming at the top of her lungs at the kid in the back seat. And now all of a sudden gets in church and, oh, how, I mean, just so sweet and, You say, that's hypocrisy. I don't think so. If it is, there probably ain't nobody here tonight that ain't a hypocrite. That's, that's not hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when you are purposely trying to be something you're not. was not that what that's... Well, it's more long-term that determines hypocrisy because when i have my moment in the car and yes as pastor i actually have had my moments i know the rest of these elders these congregations have never had those moments but i <laughs> the devil has no idea where i live 5 days out of the week no idea he doesn't he couldn't find me if he had to but somehow on Sunday and Thursday, there is a bull's eye on my house. That's, I, don't think, I don't think that's hypocrisy. I think that's kind of what, like David said, or Psalm. I think David was the writer of Psalm 73. He said, my, my, I got to looking at the wick and all that, but, but he said, I, my steps had almost slipped. I was about to go down until I got in the sanctuary. When I got in the house of prayer, Even though I was already a member of the house of prayer, I still needed what was in the house of prayer to begin to move. And so I wasn't trying to be something I'm not. I'm just recognizing I can't let that keep me from this. I need this. (laughs) Hypocrisy to me is when you come in here tonight and you get your praise on knowing that tomorrow you're going to get your sinning on too. You already know I'm gonna praise with everything I got tonight, but I'm gonna live with everything I got this week, and I'll be back next Sunday and do the same thing. But in between, I'm gonna live. That's hypocrisy. Amend your ways. Don't just think because you show up at the house of God, it makes everything all right. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly. Execute judgment between a man and his neighbor. If you oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt, then then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit Will you steal and murder and commit adultery, swear falsely and burn incense to Baal and walk after other gods whom you know not and come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name and say we are delivered to do all these abominations? Will you live the way you want to live, free to live however you choose, do whatever you want to do, and then walk in and say we actually have approval to do what we want to do? Some call that grace. I didn't say the Bible calls that grace. I said some call that grace. Some may not say it, but what they seem to communicate is that grace is a license to do whatever you want to do. A license to sin. That's grace. Funny thing is, the Bible says grace is the one who teaches us. To live a godly life. It's grace that's act- that, that doesn't match up with a license to do whatever you want to do. Anybody have a teacher that stands out in mind that was not a very gracious teacher? I don't know about you, but I'm glad I got a gracious teacher for this godly living thing. Otherwise, I'd be in big trouble. Nevertheless, grace is not about me just having freedom to do what I want. It's empowering me to become what I'm supposed to be. But if we're not careful, we can steal and murder and commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to bail, walk after other gods whom we know not. He's talking to those that were on their way to church. Hello? Wasn't out in the street doing a street service, evangelizing the sinner. He's telling those that were on their way to the temple. You steal, you murder, you do all these things, and then you come in and, and somehow we're delivered to do all these things? If this house is this house which is called by my name become a den of robbers? In your eyes, behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. But go ye now unto my place which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the the first. Where I set my name at the first. And see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. See that just because my name was someplace, doesn't mean I'm going to preserve it forever. Forever. If somehow it loses its power and it loses its, its ability to impact lives and, and it begins condoning and allowing things it shouldn't be. He said, I'm not just going to leave it forever. Go see what I did. Somebody became a robber and a thief and began to steal from what it was I intended and desired to do. There is power In the name of Jesus, to break every chain. Not some chains. Not a few chains. Not certain kinds of chains. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. There's got to be a house, a prayer. Again, prayer is obviously significant and important. We could preach all night and the next six weeks and more on prayer, but that's not so much what I'm trying to communicate or feel to communicate tonight as much as it is the spiritual climate that it represents. Paul said, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. Said, but I came with the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And when the stranger, the outsider comes in, as some of you know more than others, some of you got a pretty good idea. It's amazing when you look around here and think about those in Baltimore as about what God has put together. Look at the the connections and the people and and, and think think about the circumstances that perhaps seem to be completely coincidence in your life that brought you to where you are now. How many native Marylanders do we have tonight, born and raised Maryland? How many? How many of you that weren't born or raised? You came some point later in life. You lived someplace else. Pretty significant number. Think about the what you think about what God did. Think about the circumstances. Every now and then I think about my wife and I. Think about my parents from from the south. All the way up here in Maryland. God brings them here. All the circumstances and situations that had to happen for God to bring the two of us together. It's not chance. That's not a coincidence. Thank God she's the only one here tonight I'm married to, or the only one that she's not here tonight, but the only one I'm married to. One is more than enough. But you know what? The connection you and I have is pretty significant too. Bring somebody from New Hampshire, right? All over the world to get to Maryland. Others of you whether it's a permanent thing here or a season you're in god bringing us together but not bringing us together so we can just think how wonderful it is that god brought a couple cowboys fans together that, that's not, <laughs> not not that's not what it's all about The Cowboys fart The just bringing us together part It's not what it's all about It's not just so we can God please help the deception On this young man The Bears are going to win it this year That is I was going to say great faith. I don't know that that's faith. Maybe strong delusion. But... Not just so we can, you know, brag a little bit about, no, but so that we are no longer outsiders. But for the fact, there's a bunch of other outsiders and strangers that God intends to continue to bring into the house and into the body and keep becoming a larger body, but a body of people that He has brought together. But the only way it can happen is for us to remain a house of prayer. Sister Trish, come please. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know it's not all about church. I know that. I know it's not all about Sunday morning. It's not all about Sunday night. And it's not all about Thursday night. I realize that. But that is a big part of what we do. And that's a place where a lot of people that aren't a part of us come. And so when they come, we have got to enter in to a house of prayer. We have got to enter in to a place where there is a free flow Of the Spirit of God. They've got to enter into a place where we haven't tried to cheapen things so there is no sacrifice. Let's eliminate all the cost and the effort and the hassle and make it simple and easy. There's a a church out there somewhere in the United States that you go on their website they actually have a portion of it that refers to their internet church. They act, they're they they're at a church building. They have a church, but they have their internet church. I, I, I'm glad I've been benefited by it numerous times not being in church. And I, I'm thankful for live stream, and I'm thankful for the ability to connect. But the purpose of that is not so I can stay home in my pajamas, kick back in my recliner, and have church. That is not the same thing. In fact, they're, they're, I, and I know we have it. We're going to keep having it. And, and there's probably folks tonight that fortunately are able to be a part of this service that can't be here for whatever reason that are being benefited by it. And, and, and I'm not talking about those that, that don't have a choice. I'm talking when we start to make it a substitute. When I choose to let it be a substitute. I, I could be there, but I'm not. And I can just watch or I can just listen all on. No, no, no. It's not the same thing as when you get into the presence of God. With the people of God. And you gather together with people of like precious faith. And you get into that atmosphere. The presence of God has the freedom and the liberty to be able to flow. Brother right? I don't know. I've announced it twice, both time I've announced it. It feel like I've gotten pretty positive response, but so I don't I don't, I don't mean this to sound negative or defensive cuz I haven't heard or sensed any of that. Just trying to make a point. Why why are we going to go outside and have church outside under a tent? We got this nice building, we got air conditioning in case it does get hot. We got everything set up. I mean everything's in place. We got all the equipment. We got everything not just, just stay where we are and just, just do what we do. Because I think every now and then we've got to take a few steps to remind ourselves. We have not reached the conclusion of strangers and outsiders coming in. And with everything we do, we must remember we exist as a body so that the stranger and the outsider has a chance. To become a part. See, our, our, our problem is we get comfortable. Things get settled and and, and 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 we don't want anything messing up our our world. It's not about us. It's not about us. I realize I was born and raised in this and so I didn't get in this on my own by myself But got my grandmother sitting here tonight thank God somebody wasn't content with the outsiders and strangers that had been collected up at their church thank God somebody realized there's some more strangers and outsiders to come in not only am i thankful somebody realized there's more outsiders to bring in but i'm thankful for those that made sure when somebody else was brought in they were brought into an atmosphere of the operation of the spirit of god and the free flow of the presence of god that was able to impact and touch and change lives you bow your head close your eyes if you would please i'd like to give an altar call and Here's the altar call I'd like to give tonight. I'd like to open it up to those who would be willing to get out of your seat tonight and make your way down to this altar for this purpose. Presenting yourselves to God to say, God, I want to do my part in making sure that this is a house of prayer. I'm not just talking about this Sunday night service or Sunday night I'm talking about ministry and what we do whether it's church service or Bible studies care whatever campus ministry all of those things but I'm going to do my part that when I am in those settings in those atmospheres to be a contributor to the house being a house of prayer I don't want to become a thief or a robber I don't want to become someone that takes away it interferes with the house being the house of prayer that it's supposed to be, where the presence of God has the ability, the opportunity to work and move in the name of Jesus. I don't want to do anything. I don't. Know, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to conduct myself in any way. I, I don't want to behave myself in any way that would cause me to become a detractor from the house of prayer. That would cause me to be an interference with this house being a house of prayer. But I want to be able to be a conduit that helps to contribute to the operation of the Spirit of God and the flowing of the power and the moving of the Holy Ghost. That more strangers and more outsiders can find their way in but not be outsiders and strangers forever not be second class citizens not be somewhat inside but not all the way in but that they have the opportunity to make it all the way they have an opportunity to become a part of a chosen generation a royal priesthood people that have been called to show forth the praises of god people that who were not a people but now have become the people of god the name of jesus father revive and renew within us as a body every aspect of ministry every expression of ministry god i pray that you would revive and renew in us make us lord Calls us to be a house of prayer a house of the operation and the manifestation of your presence your spirit in the name of jesus in the name of jesus god that the stranger the outsider the sojourner might be able to find a place of refuge find a dwelling place find a place to be at home in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Ah yalallabo shatalalabaka. Yalalabo sanda rabaki yalalabosata la bahai. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Alalla boshatabaki yalalabah. I want to be a contributor to it, God i don't want to be a detractor from it i want to be a contributor i don't want to be a hindrance or an obstacle to it god i want to be a vessel that is a part that contributes to what you're doing what you're trying to do god don't let the stranger walk into a house where we have cheapened the cost of the sacrifice necessary to maintain the operation and the flow of your spirit, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. By the power of your spirit, Lord. By the power of your spirit, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Make me God, make me, let me be a contributor, let me be a participant, God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, renew and restore it in us, God, individually and collectively, God, revive and restore it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Jesus' name. Jesus' name, in Jesus, Jesus' name, Jesus'
1: name,
0: Hallelujah,
1: hallelujah. Make me a house,
0: make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer. In the name of, of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, oh, oh. take me a house of In the
1: name
0: of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Make us individually, make us collectively a house of prayer. Let us individually be a house of prayer put us together collectively, God, to be a house of prayer, where the operation of your Spirit is the common occurrence. It's not unusual or abnormal, but it's what takes place regularly, God. Oh, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of
1: Jesus,
0: whenever you decide you're done, you're welcome to go. you're praying, please don't be in a hurry. Please don't quit before God's done with you.